Welcome to Advance, a podcast devoted to helping strengthen churches for gospel movement. I'm your host, Brian Moak, Vice President of Church Strengthening with Convergement America. Today is episode four, and we're going to be addressing the issue of prayer in relationship to a healthy church. Last episode, we said that preaching the word was one of the foundational pillars of the church in Acts chapter 2. Another of those foundational pillars is prayer. In Acts chapter 6, pastors and elders are encouraged to focus on prayer and the word in their ministries. We read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 to pray without ceasing. In Ephesians 6, the armor of God is put on with the covering of all prayer and all supplication. I could go on and on. Clearly, prayer is essential for church health. Unfortunately, there is no ministry of the church in America, no spiritual discipline in the life of the believer that is more difficult to sustain and grow than prayer. But I believe there's a way forward for us as churches in this critical area of prayer. I believe we can, in fact, see the temperature of prayer raised in our churches. On this episode, I've asked Pastor Dana Olson, pastor of a multi-campus converged church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, to join us. Dana not only has been pastor for many years, he's been a major voice in our movement regarding the issues of prayer. I have counted Dana as a dear friend for many years, and no single person has affected my understanding and practice of prayer more than Dana. So it is a huge blessing to have you on the podcast today, Dana. Thanks so much for doing this. Uh, I'm thrilled. I, I couldn't be more thrilled. Well, it's a real honor uh, to have you here today. Hey, let's start out by uh, having you give us the two-minute uh, Dana Olson story. Well, I was a, I'm a preacher's kid, and um, my father was my pastor growing up. Grew up in Iowa, Pennsylvania, and New York. I actually graduated from high school in Nassau County, Long Island, New York, uh, called to ministry in ninth grade, had a real distinct um, uh, calling to ministry, went to Bethel with uh, pastoral ministry in mind, uh, Bethel College and then seminary, and had some real terrific influences that um, uh, impacted my desire to have prayer be such a high value in uh, my life and in my church ministry. So my father was a praying man Mm -hmm. growing up. um, My parents uh, were committed to prayer. My father always emphasized prayer in his churches. Um, My grandfather was a Swedish immigrant who uh, lived with us winters after my grandma died. And I would listen to him as he laid in his bed and and cried out to the Lord and prayed. He he was an influence. Later in school, I interned under John Piper at Bethlehem in the early days of Bethlehem Church. And uh, truly, when he was writing the chapters on scripture and prayer in Desiring God, and those had a great influence on me. Moved to Lincoln, Nebraska to be a pastor of a little church. And Warren Wearsby, the noted Bible teacher and author, befriended me and often uh, talked with me about these things and prayed with me and um, encouraged me when I became chairman of the Conference Prayer Commission. And then Chuck Verstratton, one of the early prayer commissioners, was a real big influence in uh, helping me develop more of what uh, uh, I would do when I went out into the churches, what became Prayer First uh, for BGC Converge. Uh, Chuck was a major influence. So 
I, I just was blessed to have a number of influences that encouraged me. Yeah. And so got involved with prayer. Uh, Bob Ricker was president of BGC Converge when he asked me to lead a commission. And that commission developed into eventually prayer first. And, and uh, it's really become a life calling for me. It sure has. And I'm telling you what, it has affected many people in many churches. Let's delve right into the topic. Uh, we we want to give our listeners uh, some general thoughts and some practical ways uh, to sort of uh, look at the temperature of prayer in our churches. You know, we hear the phrase uh, that the couple that prays together stays together. Well, I, I think it's true, too, that the church that prays together stays together. So when you think about that, when you think about prayer in our churches, specifically here in America, uh, how, how do you think we're doing? Well, it's <laughs> that's basically impossible to answer. Uh, it's the unanswerable question. I would say it varies widely, and it's even rather a roller coaster. There are times we do better and times that we struggle more. So, um, But I would say this, that Considering how often prayer is mentioned in the, in the scriptures, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, in the life and ministry of Jesus, in the life and ministry of the Apostle Paul, in the book of Acts, um, considering how much prayer is emphasized and encouraged and commanded, I would say on that basis, we're not doing very well. <laughs> I, I, I sadly think you're right in that. Uh, but why do you think that is? Uh, why is praying so hard for us to develop and to grow in? Well, of course, there's a number of reasons. Uh, one of the simplest is spiritual warfare. You know, we have an enemy who is opposed to prayer in our lives and in the life of our churches. And, um, and uh, so many things boil down to uh, the opposition of the world, the flesh, and the devil, right? So yeah, that's right. the world... Squeeze us into, squeezes us into a mold of busyness and hectic lifestyle and, and running from here to there. Um, our flesh uh, uh, cries out to, to, uh, uh, with many distractions and, and things that uh, cause us to lose our focus on the Lord that we need to have. And then the evil one is opposed to uh, our prayer life. So uh, that's a big part of it. I think rather than a value and essential we try to program prayer and yeah. and it stays on the periphery so rather than bring central it stays on the periphery and that's a real uh, uh hindrance to prayer mm -hmm. and one of the biggest distractions for pastors and for churches is the thirst for success and when we measure uh success by the wrong things that quest for success actually can um, extinguish the fire of prayer hmm. in the life of our church. So uh, it requires some, some uh, refocusing, uh, realization that prayer needs to be an essential value, uh, and, and, and then trying to um, find ways to um, keep it in the life of the church in everything we do, not peripheral to the life of the church, but essential and central to the life of the church. Hmm. 
Hey, you've coined uh, this phrase, healthy desperation. It's one of the many things that I've stolen from you. It's, it's that good. Uh, but wh what do you mean by this term, healthy desperation? Uh, healthy desperation is, is basically John 15, verse 5. That's my way of uh, explaining when Jesus teaches um, in the upper room, uh, apart from me, you can do nothing. Yeah. So when you stop and think about that, kingdom impact or kingdom fruit bearing, because he says, um, if you want to bear fruit, you know, you need to abide in me. Apart from me, you can do no thing. That's good. Uh, kingdom impact comes only through the presence and power of Christ by the Holy Spirit. And so often we try to accomplish things. We try to change the world by our own cleverness or ingenuity, uh, and we lack the presence and power of Christ by the Spirit. Uh, so healthy desperation is an attempt to remind us all that apart from Christ, we can do nothing, and that uh, essential to keeping Christ uh, central in our lives and having his presence and power by the Spirit is prayer. And so it's that communion with God, it's that communication with God, it's the communication part of a love relationship with God, as my friend Alvin Vandergren says. And, and so um, healthy desperation is calling the church to prayer, seeing it as an essential value and absolutely necessary to the end result of kingdom fruit bearing. Hmm. You know, I think that word desperation, healthy desperation is so important in terms of how we think about it. Uh, I, don't, I don't think we think well about that term. Um, I, I, I don't know as though that we cry out uh, to God in that sort of healthy desperation. We tend to pray more vanilla prayers. Mm. Uh, I, I think there's two reasons for that. Uh, one is that we don't want to offend God. You know, somehow if we prayed with authenticity, we might offend him. So we want to be careful how we pray. And secondly, I think we frankly want to hedge our bets. We're not completely convinced that God is hearing us and answering our prayers. And so um, I think we tend to pray uh, that sort of vanilla prayer because what if he doesn't really answer us? How do we figure out the difference between a secular desperation and a healthy spiritual desperation where we cry out to him that we need him? How do we figure that out if that makes sense at all? Well, uh, of course, this brings in something that I um, is really my life calling, and that's teaching people to pray Scripture. And and we see that expression of desperation that's a healthy desperation so much in biblical praying. Hmm. I mean, we see it in the Psalms. You know, I, I used to teach often when I was on, out in the churches from Psalm 69, where, where uh, the psalmist is just remarkably passionate and, and desperate and candid. And, um, you know, many of the psalms that we sort of like and gravitate to are, are praise or, or speak of, you know, the Lord is my shepherd, etc. But there are psalms that are so desperate yeah. and our heart cries to God and say, God, I'm I'm drowning. I'm up to my neck. I'm going to be dead soon if you don't help me. That's right. And yet, 
you're silent. Where are you, God? Mm -hmm. And so the the psalmist is remarkably um, desperate and candid and um, cries out to God. And so as we shape our prayers with Scripture, we learn to pray with real honesty, gut-wrenching honesty. Mm -hmm. And uh, I agree with you. So often we, because we we limit our time with prayer. We we are kind of surface with it. Um, we fall into some real familiar patterns that sort of over time become empty. Mm. And um, one of the ways that we relearn healthy desperation in prayer is by studying what the Bible says about prayer and some of the biblical prayers, which are truly heart cries to the Lord. Hmm. Thanks so much for that. Hey. I think we need a personal story. Uh, you know, how have you seen a church that prays with that sort of healthy desperation? Um, I, I, I think, quite frankly, some of the reason that people don't come to prayer meetings is that we don't share that God is actually in the business of answering our prayers. And and so if I'm going to uh, be a praying church, uh, how do I get an example of what that looks like? How have you seen a church that prays with that sort of healthy desperation? Over the years, I had two favorite stories. One is very familiar to many people, and that's the Brooklyn Tabernacle in New York. And um, that church is still having a remarkable impact um, and is still uh, known for its prayer life as a congregation and impacting uh, the city and many people coming to Christ and so forth. Yeah. But the one that um, is less known, but I, I really love to share about is um, Jefferson Baptist in Jefferson, Oregon. So that's a pastor named D. Duke. And um, D. Duke was a pastor who was struggling. And even I think he would say failing years ago. And he went to a pastor's prayer summit uh, out on the Oregon coast. And, um, and God really convicted him concerning prayer. And he, he uh, on the bus ride back, uh, the pastors had all gone out together on a bus and driving back. He wrote down a number of things that God was convicting him to do personally in his personal prayer life and then in influencing his church to pray. And, um, and they, they really were a great example of a church that became desperate in a healthy way for the presence and power of Christ and God began to move. Hmm. And uh, when I got to know Dee, they had become a church that was truly, uh, in its attendance, larger than the town. Wow. So uh, they had an enormous impact. And then Dee began to disciple other pastors in prayer and leadership. And he does this to this day. He's had hmm. some health concerns. And so if I understand it correctly, and I may not have this exactly right, I, I believe he's no longer the the senior pastor or preaching pastor, but uh, he continues to disciple uh, pastors all through the Pacific Northwest. Hmm. Uh, I have a good friend, Roy, who has been part of one of those kind of discipleship pods with pastors where uh, Dee challenges them very specifically regarding prayer and leadership. And, um, and so he's not only uh, had his own life revolutionized by his prayer life, but he has built a great praying church, which has multiplied itself through uh, discipling other leaders. 
And mm-hmm. so it's had a, an enormous impact overseas as well. Hmm. And so that's my favorite example of a church that really caught hold of, of making prayer an essential value and calling upon God and seeing God bless it with fruit bearing, kingdom fruit bearing, yeah. that's impacted far beyond the little town of Jefferson, uh, Oregon, where they're located. It really is an amazing story of what God did in, and is doing in that place, and I encourage people uh, to check that out. And then, of course, certainly Brooklyn Tabernacle, it, it had a major impact in the life of church I served in Mansfield, Ohio. We actually visited their Tuesday evening prayer meeting and uh, came back and changed everything. <laughs> and uh, what was a 45-minute Bible study, 10 minutes of requests, and five minutes of prayer became a prayer meeting, a worshipful prayer meeting. And God began to change us. Uh, our, our church began to grow. It, it just grew a lot. But but more than that, we just got so serious for God's presence. And, and uh, people would actually come from the community to our prayer meeting because they heard that God was answering prayer in our midst. So it was pretty cool. Yeah. Hey, hey, I want to make sure that we give people before we close up shop here. I want to I want to make sure that we give people an opportunity to take something away with them. And so would you uh, give us a couple of of ways that we might be able to increase the temperature of prayer uh, in our church? Well, um number 1 and and it's absolutely essential is that it starts with the pastor. Hmm. And then with the pastor, the staff, and the elders. That's right. So you cannot farm out the value of prayer and hope that others will carry the ball. Mm -hmm. It just won't happen that way. Mm -hmm. And so uh, it has to start, the pastor himself has to feel um, that it is absolutely essential and a value, and he wants to see this uh, develop in the life of his church, and so begins to develop it in the staff and in the elders. And if I died tomorrow, uh, one thing that could be said here after 10 years is that every week our staff earnestly prays together. And I don't mean for five minutes. I mean, we really pray. We pray through all the prayer requests that are brought in uh, from our church family every week. And when our elders meet, which is twice a month, we get down on our knees and we pray for an extended period of time. We really do pray and call upon the Lord and, again, bring the, the body of Christ before the throne of grace in prayer. That's good. And so um, that's one of the things I've sought to do here is that when I'm gone and, and I, I've from the beginning of our ministry here in Sioux Falls, I have had the sense that uh, what I wanted to do is prepare the church for what's next after me. And I hope that it's been instilled in the staff and in the elders that we're committed personally to prayer and to leading by prayer. That's another phrase I've used, and you've you've perhaps used it too, leading by prayer. I used to teach on leading by prayer from Nehemiah chapter 1. It's a great chapter, a fabulous chapter to teach leading by prayer. Nehemiah certainly did that Mm -hmm. in rebuilding the wall. And uh, so that's number one. It has to start with the essential leaders of the church. If it's not a value there, it will not be a value in the church. Second is, I've, I've already mentioned, 
my own life calling and passion has been to teach people to pray scripture. Mm-hmm. Uh, scripture is what transforms people's prayer lives, takes them out of a rut uh, and into new vistas of prayer. Mm. You know, people don't know how to confess. They don't know how to praise. They don't know how to to cry out with supplication and so forth. But if they study Scripture, uh, God will guide them in how to do these things. And so it's absolutely important to teach people to pray Scripture. This this last year, I wrote a 21 Days of Prayer booklet for Converge uh, called Praying the King's Agenda. And, uh, and that is 21 days of just praying uh, Jesus commands. There's a couple of days devoted to who Christ is, but most of it is praying the commands of Jesus. So hearing what he commands and then responding to him with prayer. And, um, and it's, we do that actually 365 days a year here at our church. Mm-hmm. We produce every week uh, a, a Bible reading and prayer guide in which people read some scripture, but then are guided in how to pray in response to that passage. We're trying to disciple the whole congregation to pray God's word. And it's, it's hard. It, it, again, it, it, there's fits and starts to it. There's two steps forward and three steps back sometimes, Mm but we're trying to, to shape our prayer life beyond just God bless the food and God bless the missionaries and uh, praying scripture is part of that. And then the third one is um, build a vision for the glory of God. So it relates to the the last podcast you did on preaching, but preach the greatness of God. If people have a small prayer life, they probably have a small view of God. And if you want to enlarge the prayer life of your church, enlarge the vision of who God is. And uh, small prayer, small gods, big prayer, big God. And so preach Yes, on prayer, but even more than that, preach on who God is, the kind of prayer hearing and answering God that we have. Hmm, that's great. That's, that's, a, that's a really good list. Hey, I'm sure there's going to be people who are going to want to get in touch with you after hearing this podcast and, and uh, maybe hear some more about uh, how their church can uh, be helped through the issue of prayer. Obviously, you can talk with uh, Convergent in America, but how might they get in touch with you if they'd like to uh, talk with you? Simply Dana, D-A-N-A, at faithsf.com. Faith is our church, SF is Sioux Falls, so faithsf.com. Dana at faithsf.com. I'd love to hear from you. Mm, great. Hey, every episode, we want to make sure that we close in prayer. Specifically, we want to pray a blessing on the pastors and leaders who are uh, listening to this podcast. So would you close us, uh, please, in a word of prayer? Lord, I I thank you for this time with Brian. And and, uh, of course, uh, something I love to talk about is uh, trying to encourage the church to pray. So often we think of prayer as an event. We think of prayer as a Uh, uh, something that we plan for a specific time and place, but the New Testament teaches pray without ceasing. And, and so it's really uh, something that's woven into all we are Mm. as, as the body of Christ and, and uh, all we are to be as leaders in the body of Christ. So I pray God for everyone who hears this podcast, Mm. um, give them a sense of your, uh, calling yes, Lord. to to lead their church to be a praying church, Lord. We thank you for uh, Isaiah fifty six, which says, "My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations." Yes. Jesus quoted that 
when he cleansed the temple, Lord, help us to cleanse away the distractions that keep us from prayer yes, Lord. and to reinstate that essential value of, of, of calling upon you because you love to hear us pray and you will work as we pray. Yes, you will. And so bless each church, Lord, and each leader. Uh, we love you, God. We're thankful. What a gift you've given us in prayer. Mm -hmm. uh, unbelievable that you would give us this uh, essential way of communicating with the creator and sustainer of the universe. Mm -hmm. we, we praise you, God, and we thank you mm -hmm. as we pray in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who by the cross made a way for us to pray, mm -hmm. uh, in access to your throne of grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much. In our next episode, we're going to be talking about the importance of vision as it relates to church health. What is vision really? And how do we discern the difference between the strategic buzz of vision that pervades the church world these days and, and the biblical call for our churches to live with God-directed vision? Thanks so much for joining us. Make sure you subscribe to this channel and check out our website, advancethechurch.org. Advanced Podcast is a ministry of Converge Mid-America. Our mission is to start and strengthen churches that exalt the name of Jesus Christ together. If you'd like to learn more about Converge Mid-America, visit our website, convergemidamerica.org.